Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and right now and today, you're listening on the Believe Network. Can you believe the week that we have had in tennis? It's been a wild one. It started off in Houston. It went all the way overseas to Monte Carlo. And there's some interesting storylines to come out of the last week when it comes to the sport of tennis. So we've got a lot of stuff to cover towards the end of this episode. But we're going to jump right into Houston. Houston, a great tournament as always. There was a lot of Americans in it. And I think I remember telling you last week, if an American didn't win this tournament, I was going to be a little salty because half the draw was Americans. Now, the number one seed, there was no number one seed in this tournament. There was a lucky loser, which was Michael Moe. And Michael Moe actually makes it all the way to the quarters, which was good for him. He loses to Nick Kyrgios. Now, Nick Kyrgios uh, had a great tournament. This is his only clay, ter- clay tournament of the year. It's his first one. It's his last one. And for a guy who, you know, you wouldn't expect to play great on clay because he does like the faster surfaces, he makes it all the way to the semifinals where he plays Riley Opelka. So, he is a great tournament, I think, and I think he had a lot of fun there. There's certain things um, that seem to frustrate him about Clay. It would have to be that it's just slow, and I think there's a lot of players that don't like it, but there's players that can manage it better, and Nick Kyrgios just seems like he doesn't really care. So that's why he. it seems like he's not playing in more Clay, tournament, clay tournaments the rest of the year. I talked about that last episode. Let's get right to this one now. As far as Americans go, only two out of the four in the semis were Americans. Opelka and Isner found themselves in the final four, and they played Kyrgios and Christian Guerin. So there were only two Americans that made it to the final four, which was a little surprising to me because it made my chances of my guess getting someone in American to win this tournament even lower. But Taylor Fritz loses to Guerin in the quarters, which kind of hurts him there. But John Isner plays Tiafo in the quarters, which gives you another quarters of all Americans. And then Michael Moe obviously loses and withdraws to Kyrgios. But Riley Opelka ends up playing John Isner in the final, which is actually kind of comical when it comes to clay court because clay court is such a softer, it's a slower um, pace, and it's a slower surface traditionally, right? So the, the rallies are longer. So people that have big serves or that these guys call serve bots, don't traditionally do well on clay courts. But they did. They ended up making it to the finals, and it was two pretty much, as they like to call them, serve bots in the finals. And Riley Opelka comes out of it winning in a tiebreaker in the second set. He wins straight sets over John Isner. So he will be the champion in Houston. An American wins Houston. And believe it or not, and you can probably believe this, that it is Riley Opelka's first clay court tournament win. And it is his fourth title on the ATP Tour since joining a few years ago. He turned pro in 2015, so he's been on the Tour for seven years. And that is his fourth title. He's won in Delray Beach, which is a hard court. He's won in New York, which is a hard court. And he's won in Dallas, which is a hard court. So a serve bot getting a title on a clay court, something I didn't really think I'd be saying today, but I did. Um... With Kyrgios in this tournament, and he's out of there. That's his first clay court win in three years. And his only clay court wins of 2022 before he heads to Roland Garros next year, which he announced earlier this year as well. Speaking of clay court, I want to stay on clay court 
as we ship it overseas and head to Monte Carlo. Now, this Monte Carlo Rolex Masters is a massive tournament. It gets a lot of players. It gets a lot of faces. It gets people in the stands that you'd get in Miami or you'd get even in New York. Uh, Monte Carlo, uh, the Rolex Monte Carlo Masters is happening this week into next week. Uh, Neymar Jr., was there. Uh, Neymar was in, in the stands. They got a lot of soccer players come to this tournament. It is a massive player, and it gets massive names. If you look at the top seeds in this tournament, Novak Djokovic, he's a top seed in this tournament. So is uh, right behind him is Zverev and Tsitsipas and Rude, who had an injury, which we'll tell you about later on in this podcast. Rublev's in it, FAA, Cam Nori, Carlos Alcaraz, Yannick Sinner, Taylor Fritz, Hubie Hercoc, Diego Schwartzman, Karina Busta, Bashlashvili, and Senego. So, sorry, I just went through literally the top 16 seeds <laughs> real fast. Um, Novak Djokovic plays in the first round and actually loses. I already know I'm going to butcher this name, so just stay with me. He loses to Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. I think that's how you say it. Uh, who is an unseeded player who beat Marcus Giron in the first in the first round. Djokovic gets a bye and then loses in three sets. 6-3, wins in a tiebreaker at five, and then loses 6-1 in the final set. So a little surprising for Djokovic. I think a lot of people were hyped about him returning, and they had a lot of expectations for him coming back because he hasn't played in so long. But I think that just goes back to getting reps. Because Djokovic hasn't played in so long, he hasn't had those reps that other players have gotten. And so while this Alejandro probably has not been playing in big tournaments but has been getting reps, Djokovic has not. So a massive win, obviously, for this Fonkina. But Novak Djokovic, is he not himself? What's going on? And is there room to panic? Probably not. But he's got to play in more tournaments if he wants to win more Grand Slams this year. I think it's as, as straightforward as that. Now, I don't know how he feels exactly from losing. He lost early on Tuesday morning. But he's he's got to fix something. Because if he wants to win Roland Garros, he's got to get going. Now, does this tournament really matter to him? Maybe not. Probably not. I'm not really sure. But that's something you have to look at when it comes to some of these players is a lot of them don't really care about these tournaments. They just want to get the experience. And so especially especially the ones that are fighting for all these grand slams. So it looks like that's possibly what he is going to be doing here. And Novak Djokovic in the second round, round of 32, is out of Monte Carlo, which is interesting because I believe that's where he lives and practices as well. So would have been cool to see him make a run there, but... A lot of probably disappointed fans. Other other big names in this tournament, obviously, I just named ever, all of them. But it's going to be very interesting to see how Taylor Fritz, he how he does in this tournament. He plays Marin Cilic in the second round. Taylor Fritz comes off a great hardcourt season. And it's going to be very interesting to see how he does on clay, especially moving into you know the whole Europe swing and getting over there before he heads off to Roland Garros in a few months here. So Casper Ruud, obviously expect him to do really, really well. Holger Rune is a qualifier in this tournament, the youngster. He already beat Karatsev. I'd really like to see him make a run at one of these clay court tournaments. Uh, a lot of good names in this. Cam Nori, obviously. Uh, he moves on with a bye. He'll play He'll play a few players before he ends up probably playing Hercoc. Uh, FAA's in this tournament. He plays Lorenzo Musetti. Would like to see him get a few wins here. Um, and then you look at, you know, Fabio Fognini, 
He's moving on. He'll play Sitsi Pass. That should be an entertaining first round match. So should this or that's not a first round, it's a second round technically, but first round for Sitsi Pass. Uh Andre Rublev playing Alex De Manure should also be a very interesting and entertaining second round match. Good to see Yannick Center back in this tournament after leaving with, you know, an injury in Miami. So hopefully he feels better. And then it'll be interesting to see how the bottom part of this tournament wraps up. Uh Alexander Bublik. He beats a wild card in Stan Wawrinka in three sets. Stan Wawrinka, this is his first like major tournament back. God, it's had to have been a year or so since injury. And he's played in the Challenger. He lost. He actually, Bublik actually loses, or sorry, Bublik beats Stan Wawrinka in Monte Carlo. He beats him in three sets. And Bublik says afterwards, you know, I didn't really deserve to win that match. If he's in better shape, he definitely beats me in that match. So that kind of tells you, where Vavrinka is. He can still play solid tennis. He's just not in the proper tennis shape right now. And that could also be where Djokovic is. Maybe Djokovic isn't in the, you know, the proper tennis state or tennis shape because he hasn't played in a ton of tournaments as of late. So that's another thing to keep an eye on. That's another thing to, you know, look for moving forward to some of these players that are, you know, slowly, gradually getting themselves back into tournaments, how they play out and how their conditioning is compared to some of these other players. And they might lose to someone who definitely is not better than them, but they're just trying to get back on court. Let's talk about why this clay court season is going to be so special for one of the best tennis players to ever come out of the country of France, and that is going to be Joe Wilfred Sanga. will be retiring after the French Open. He is 36 years old, and he'll be done after this clay court swing, and he will end his career in France, which is where he's from. Um, he'll be the first one to retire from this great French generation. Um, it, it, it has been a really good generation for France. You look at uh, Sanga's there, and then Monfils really came came on the scene and had a really successful career so far as well. Uh, these two are going to be very entertaining to watch. They are very entertaining to watch. Now, Sanga actually lost to Marin Cilic in the first round in Monte Carlo. And you can kind of just tell he's not really there anymore. And it's probably time for him to move on. And it's interesting because he's 36. And you can kind of tell he just doesn't have it anymore. Then you look at guys like Federer and Nadal and Djokovic who are like that age that still have it. So it just kind of shows you at how much at a different level those guys are at. But Sanga, always entertaining to watch. Um, hits the living crap out of the ball. And I remember watching him when I was younger, and I always thought he was very entertaining. And I think a lot of people in the tennis world also think he's very entertaining. In that French generation, you look at him, you look at Monfils, and those are two of the best guys to watch on tour You know, for probably about 10 years there. Um, they might not be winning Grand Slams, but my... Are they some of the most entertaining people you ever watch on a tennis court? Speaking of retiring, uh, Kim Kleisters is retiring for a third time. She announced she'd be back on court uh, during the pandemic at one point. She said, I want to keep playing, even though having, you know, after having kids and stuff, she says, I think I can make it. And she never really made a run anywhere. And she just retired. So I don't think it went as planned. I always thought when she announced that she was coming back again, that she could she could play at the highest level. I, I really did. I think she had the work ethic. I think she had the strokes. I think she had everything. I'm just unsure why why she's picking to retire again. Maybe it's just, you know, she got to build back up rankings, and I know how hard that can be and how frustrating and um, maybe not necessarily what you're looking for. But Kim Kleisters is out of tennis once again and will retire. So we'll keep, we'll keep a fluid eye on that one and actually see how it goes. Uh, let's get through some injuries here that, that we need to talk about. Casper uh, Rude, remember he pulled out of, uh, I believe it was Houston, with a 
wisdom teeth issue. He actually had his wisdom teeth taken out, and he posted that on Twitter. And that is good for him because now he is in the field in Monte Carlo. So not too long after that, he is back in the game and back at it. More injuries across the board. Daniil Medvedev actually had surgery. Um, I didn't see this coming at all, to be honest. He had a hernia. He said, uh, the last months I have been playing with a small hernia. And so they've decided to have a small procedure done to fix the problem. He'll likely be out uh, one to two months and will work hard to get back on court soon. Thanks for all the support. That comes on April the 2nd. He tweeted that. So that probably leaves him out of Roland Garros and probably leaves him out of Wimbledon as well. So a bummer for the sport of tennis. And that's going to you know, keep him out of world number one for a while when he was so close to getting it back. But speedy recovered recovery to Daniil Medvedev. Interesting that he had a hernia, but it seems like it was a small procedure. And he will be moving on and having a better end of 2022. Hopefully the U.S. Open swing. That'd be awesome. But he'll be back on court soon, I'm sure. And so he is injured as of now. Who else is injured as of now would be Matteo Berrettini. Matteo Berrettini said he had to withdraw from Miami with a right hand injury. And he got a bunch of scans and assessments. Uh, and then said he had an operation that went extremely well. It looks like his hand. I'm not really sure. Yeah, right hand injury, he says. And he has taped together his pinky and his ring finger. So I'm not sure if it's like on the outside of his right hand. Um, but he, you know, hopefully said we'll be back on court very soon. And he'll keep updating everybody. That was on March 29th. And, to, er, and today, which is Tuesday the, ooh, I don't know what today's, the 12th, um, he said that he's got the cast off and he's back in the gym. And so he said his comeback is on. So really good to see for Matteo Berrettini. Uh, you know, some of these top players getting hurt, not playing in these tournaments has got to hurt them, um, has got to hurt these tournaments monetarily wise. Matteo Berrettini's not playing in them. You look at Daniil Medvedev, who's not playing in them. Uh, Roger Federer's obviously not playing in them right now. Rafael Nadal's not playing in them right now, and who knows what tournaments Novak Djokovic can play in right now. So big problem in tennis right now is some of these big guys aren't playing in a lot of these tournaments, and who knows if Alexander Sverev is going to get more of a suspension when it comes to you know, what he did to the chair umpire in Mexico last month. So uh, you know, this has got to hurt monetarily-wise to some of these people, but you know, then again, they also have a lot of great, great players that are playing in these tournaments. Uh, let's move on to some women's tennis. Serena Williams was with Aaron Rodgers on a video that went on Instagram and said, I'm looking to get back at Wimbledon. That'd be great, not only for women's tennis, but for the sport of tennis. So Serena Williams aiming at Wimbledon. Hopefully the U.S. Open. Will she retire soon? No idea, honestly. Um, but she seems like she can still play at a high level. Uh, Simona Halep just hired Patrick Martaglau as her coach. Now, if you remember, that is the coach of Serena Williams. So uh, Halep may be looking to make it, take another step in her career, but she is now coached by Martaglau. So that is the same coach as Serena Williams. So it'd be interesting to see that dynamic moving forward, especially if they play, especially, you know, deep in the deep part of some of these tournaments. That would be very, very interesting. Uh, last thing we want to get to here, last two things. Let's get to last two things here. I told you got a lot of stuff to get to at the end of this episode. Uh, Roger Federer's back in the gym. He put something on Instagram the other day about him working out again and being back in the gym. So obviously great to see from Roger Federer as that him working out again and being active again. Hopefully he gets back on the court sometime soon. I think a lot of people would enjoy that. Um, the last thing is Denis Shapovalov. This is a nice little 
you know, fluff piece to get you out there right before I end this episode. But he started Shopo Shelter. Um, he's hoping to help animals in need, and they're partnering with shelters across the world to promote uh, their animals and finding them their forever home. So it's already he's already got 1,500 followers on Twitter, and people like Kyrgios and other people in the tennis world are jumping on board with it, saying how cool this is. So Denis Shapovalov, props to you, man. That's awesome that you're doing that, and that's what's so great about the sport of tennis is – Things like this can come out of it, and they can do great things for humanity and for animals and really for the world, and that's what sport's all about at the end of the day is making this world just a little bit better of a place by bringing people together for the love of a sport or sports teams or sports players. Appreciate you listening today. I kind of rambled on there at the end, but we got to everything I wanted to get to today. we got a lot more to talk about next week. Uh, We'll have Monte Carlo to talk about next week. We're going to talk about you know, how interesting still this Djokovic situation is. And there's so much more to talk about in the world of tennis. I barely got through everything today in the allotted time. Thanks for hanging around the whole time. I appreciate you. I appreciate you listening. And we'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.